Hello and welcome to the Catch Up and Rally podcast. I am here. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. Friday. I'm here with the Hermano Bellissimo. Hey, happy Friday. Happy Friday, Hermano. Really stoked to be here. It's a golasso on the (laughs) Catch Up and Rally podcast. A delightful double from Luciano Arroyo himself. Como estamos? Como estamos? Dime, oh. dime, dímelo cantando. Bien. <laughs> hey, Bien, you um, Luce, give me your full name real quick because I know I left out some middle names. <laughs> it's uh, it's three last names. So it's Luciano Arroyo Beviano Simois. God. And uh, a logical problem. In, in everything that I do. I've got misspelled passports, misspelled citizenship, misspelled IDs. It's a mess. Thank God you're so good looking or <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be in real trouble. Can't go anywhere without ordering something and switching it up to my brother's name. Still Latin, but much easier. Diego is just the way to go. <laughs> oh, it's a good name. You know, you're good looking. You're charismatic. That's going to get you out of a lot of tricky situations. You know, <laughs> the, the, na- the names are less important that way. Yeah, being the prettiest girl in the room helps. But <laughs> yeah, they say it's fun to you know, um, to to make love when you don't even know the other person's name and you don't speak the same language. You know, that's, I don't know that I ever had that happen in my life, but you know, mm. you can bust out like five, six names on them and and see know. what it is. Well, you know what? It's it's good to be able to speak you know a few different languages because then obviously you have just a lot more natural ability to connect. But I hear you. There's sometimes that natural connectivity that kinesthetic connectivity uh-huh. uh, the electricity uh-huh. in the air poppy and i don't think you need much language for it other than body language and you are quadlingual uh that would be a lie if you're throwing in that i can speak italian it's just more like spanish with an italian accent and i'll admit that to the day so no really just spanish portuguese and english trilingual yeah good enough for me that's good um you're beating me three to one um <laughs> You know, they, they used to award me a half goal for Spanish. Uh, and, and that has the ju- the judges reviewed the tape and they took it away. I see you on the footy field and I think you get full citizenship, my friend. Appreciate Plus, we've it. enough conversations in Espanol. I know you and your mom's been visiting and traveling, getting the culture on, digging into the language, not just be trying to say thank you to everything. So, no, I, I see you, man. You get a full point for me. I've really grown into a serviceable right back um, or left back. You know, I'll play either side uh, in my in my later years. So, you know, it gets does get me a little bit of clout. That left foot touch player, especially for a boy your size. My God. Come on. The, the fitness is still good. I'm assertive. You know, I'm not afraid to use the body. Looking like Eric Holland up there. My, my dog. Get it. I've never been afraid to use the body. <laughs> never. Um, never. I got to start by asking, it's a Friday afternoon. We've been looking forward to this all week. Luciano, what are you sipping on? Mm -hmm. I'm sipping on two little things right now. I'm having a little bit of a a cafe because for me, it's Colorado. It's 2.30. It's a perfect little afternoon. Sun's got about two hours left, and it's just beaming right into my room. So I put a little cafecito in, and I thought about throwing the mezcal that I have into it, getting a little dabble in. That is Um, gutty. But this is just delicious. So I put it on the side. And so I'm sipping the mezcalito. And whenever I feel a little bit of a, I want a little bit of that kick, I just have a little of the cafecito on the right. Uh-huh. We'll switch on and off. But not uh-huh. not any mixing inside. You know, not, not, nothing, nothing swashing around. Just one or the other. One or the other. 
I don't know that I will ever say no to an afternoon espresso. <laughs> and you're hitting that perfect timing, that two to three area where you start to lilt. Um, exactly. It's been a, it's been a long morning. Woke up early with a lady, got to work. And working from home kind of does it to you too. I don't, oh, I don't yeah, know if right. you've been feeling the same thing, but uh, there's a lot of just being tired of not doing too much, you know, of sitting down, of just going from the bed to the, to the, so to, to wherever you work. Um, you know, sometimes I work on the sofa, but I just, I love being able to get out and about, and this is around the time for it. For sure, man. I don't work from home anymore, uh, but Kara does, and she feels that 100%. Um, and I don't want to sidetrack with a quick story about Kara, but I'm gonna, please, you're, you're doing what initially made me sort of have a crush on her. Um, I don't want to say fall in love. That's a little too cheesy for my taste. But then when I first met her, it was out at a bar on a Friday after work. I had finished up at Portsmouth Middle School. She shows up a little later because she gets out at, at five. Bartender comes and asks her, hey, what can I get for you? And she goes, I'm going to have a coffee and a beer because I'm a little tired, but I'm also ready to party. <laughs> I was like, I like this girl. She's a spitfire. I'm all over it. Oh, I love that. I love that. I was a little surprised the shot didn't go into the whiskey. In, uh, the whiskey didn't go into the coffee. And no, she a beer girl. But now I, now I literally I am it. all over it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving her that bear hug. <laughs> I kind of want to hear more. Did you say hi? Yeah, well, you know, that's the like, X-rated hey, yeah? X catch up and rally. Uh, that's behind a paywall. <laughs> I got the credit card info, Poppy. Let's go. You'll have to tune into our OnlyFans for those stories. Mm, send me the link. Live action. Send me the link. <laughs> Friday evening, baby. Friday just got a lot better. Come on. Late night shows. <laughs> um, all right. I want to get into our warm-up question, uh, and we're doing things a little different this time, baby. I got to pull out something special for, for, my, for my hermano across the country. He's on mountain time. Dímelo, uh, I, I asked I asked you to bring with you to this podcast a poem that resonates with you. And uh, to, to as sort of a warm-up question, I'd like you to, to share that poem and a little bit about, about why right now or in general that poem resonates with you. Hmm. So I, I brought... There's two poems that come to mind whenever I think of what resonates directly with me. Neither do I have memorized, but um, one is by Federico Garcia Lorca uh, from Spanish 1920s, uh, romanticist of sorts. But I love what he does uh, in, a, in a poem called Verde que te quiero verde, which is green. I love you green or how I love you green. And green is just this super it's this extremely general metaphor. It, there is nothing else within the poem that is connecting to things that would be green. Um, it's just a lot more of like this general word that is fits in so well linguistically. Um, but it almost is just kind of your own way of seeing whether how you see the, the color green. That one I really love. Uh, another is, and it definitely is because of the timing. It's something, a, a book I've loved. It's an epic, actually, that I've loved for maybe 10 years. He's by far one of my favorites. But I go back to him whenever I'm feeling a little bit lost within myself. And funny enough, it's it's Song of Myself by Walt Whitman, which is part of the epic Leaves of Grass. And so Leaves of Grass has started off with only about 12 poems, a pretty short book. 
And by the time Walt Whitman finished in like 1850 or something, uh, he had 400 poems in there. And so that's how it became this entire epic. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. I think there's a certain passage from it that I always think of, um, which he kind of connects to like an actual leaf of grass and what is a leaf of grass. And he encompasses himself by saying everything that he that he is as in the things that he values most in the in the in the most basic way or something that he that that isn't connected to him whatsoever is what he believes is part of him um and so yeah these are two that i think of a lot and, and specifically leaves of grass is uh poetry that i go back to pretty consistently i love it let's uh let's go one at a time let's let's hear hear one we'll chat about it a little bit and uh and then we'll go into the second one. Let's start with uh, I Love You Green by Yorka. Uh, yeah, Federico Garcia Yorka. Awesome. I I'd love to hear it whenever you're ready. Okay, it's in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm not going to do the full one. Good. Really I long. want it in Spanish. See? Okay. Verde que te quiero verde. Verde viento, verdes ramas. El barco sobre la mar. El caballo en la montaña. Verde que te quiero verde. Con la sombra en la cintura, ella sueña en la varada. Verdes como carne, pelo verde, su cuerpo de fría plata. Compadre, quiero cambiar mi caballo por tu casa, mi montura por tu espejo, mi cuchillo por tu manta. Compadre, vengo sangrando desde la puerta de cabra. Y si yo fuera mocito, este trato se cerraba. Ya sé, papi. <laughs> Beautiful, man. I mean, one, your voice, gorgeous. Two, I'm picturing your face, gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I I think, I mean, there's there's a there's a even not fully understanding it um, as it happens, right? Like I can pick out pieces, and you know, Montaña, uh, Verde, but like there's just such a, a, a natural flow and beauty to it. Tell us about a, a line or two of it that really connects with you, and maybe offer the translation. Well, one part says, compadre, quiero cambiar. So compadre, just like a general compadre, a friend, you know, so a, a trusted patriot, trusted. Um, what is the what is the Russian word? Um, compatriot, no? Yeah. Compatriot, quiero cambiar mi caballo por tu casa. I want to change my horse for your home. Mi montura por tu espejo. My like stature for your for your mirror and my knife for your table manta like for, for your tablecloth and part of it i think that i love is that there's a little short story being told here and it's more just the feelings happening within a person and it's clearly a uh, a person that's in constant movement right and that kind of life being one that is full of poetry, is full of this adventure, um, and and full of this these different loves that he has that he includes within the word green, with he just kind of makes it as a metaphor that encompasses it all, uh, and then kind of tells you a little bit of of his own little story of like of of his context of his setting, which kind of puts you there. But what really happens within these four four eight phrases, really one sentence. Um, is that you see that he's not himself and that what this person wants is a home. Um, and so as much as there is to love, there's and everything that's out there in the world, there's this kind of this beauty of just like the simpleness 
of being home, of your tablecloth, of your mirror, um, of just having the home as a centerpiece. And I love it also because of the way that he puts together this rhyme and the fact that it's not just like this beautiful poetry that means so much. It could also mean little. Uh, it is how you interpret it. And so I get excited about the fact that every time I read it, I kind of see something new in it. Uh, and it's also Spanish that's different than the Spanish I grew up with. It's Spanish from Spain from, uh, you know, a period of almost 100 years ago. And so I always feel like there's something new in the translation or in how I'm seeing it or what I'm thinking in this certain time period that I bring, that the poem brings out to me. Yeah, I think I think there's beauty in the simplicity, right? And and you mentioned that he's a romantic. I think there's an inherently romantic aspect to this where you think about the traditional man who is uh, traveling, seeking, you know, it, it is sort of wayward until he meets a woman, establishes a family and builds a home, right? Until then, he lives in a house, a dwelling. It's a place to sleep. But until you share a home, it doesn't have those aspects. And so from just the bit that you translated, I get from it that idea of you, you trade the horse in for the home, right? The wandering for the, 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 the space, the, the knife and the fight and the grind and the struggle. And even in a way, some of the masculinity for the table, right? For sharing meals, for sharing our lives together. Definitely. Yeah, and I think, so he brings on the the metaphor of home all the time. And obviously this is just gonna be like a little bit of me pushing on it. And it, I, I like to push on it. It's never that I think I'm right, but it does, I think have a lot to do with him being gay in the 1920s. He was actually killed um, by Francisco, um, by the dictators, by the dictators, men, as as someone who was writing incredible poetry that was kind of openly feminist, and um, he was, he, I mean, he, he was essentially killed at like maybe within his within his early thirties or something. But he wrote beautiful pieces. One of the most famous being La Casa de Bernarda Alba, and Bernarda Alba is this. It's a play. Is this extremely aggressive uh, monarch woman who is makes the home a very violent place and it she takes away this natural feeling of what home is um and it even though there is a home and there is the whole place is set the whole the whole play is centered around this home it is also how home cannot be home and in this poem i kind of see that too it's not just someone that i see as a wanderer is someone who can't have a home um and i think that that's a little bit relatable in terms of home being essentially what you connect to what your heart is in and it seems like for some people that's impossible to find um and a lot of it may stem from the homes that they grew up in yeah that's a that's a that's a nice alternative sort of to the sort of very romantic traditional interpretation of like we're all seeking love in that recognizing that it's not that simple and it's not always easily created. If anything, it can be corrupted. And, and what is more relatable in our lives than a home? Um, you know, I think to my, some of my sociology work with evicted that I've been doing with my students teaching this class and, and the book that I read and I'm um, talking about 
eviction and renting in the United States and the importance of having a home. Um, just a just a powerful topic. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, that's that's yeah. I feel like I see that a lot when you are approaching new topics that I think I don't know. I see that your programs are in the schools have been trying to teach. And I think that you, you try and bring in experts or friends to have bring the humanity, the human experience to what it is that you're learning, the subjects of source. Right. And um, I think that that's that's probably one of the best ways to teach and to learn. Yeah. Yeah. All, always trying to connect it to real life. Um, all right. Hey, let's let's hear the second poem that I know you want to share before we shift to sort of the uh, the meat and potatoes. We're, this is still appetizer, baby. We're still, <laughs> we're, we're still working with the chips and dip. You know, oh, we got, well, I hope we you got splurged. Some... We got the guacamole. We got, uh, <laughs> we got a little queso. Cutting up the cebollitas. I'm crying, bro. I'm crying over here. <laughs> I'm already on drink number two. Uh, what women does it to me, my brother? He does it to me. You know, I've already I've already ordered another beer. You know, because if I go with another mixed drink, I'll, I'll start to get going too fast. <laughs> <laughs> the mezcal is done, brother. I you know, they will be done, and I might have to pour a beer myself. She convinced but, me with the warm, fresh-made tortilla chips, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just." She a, made them herself. I'm in the palm of your hand. My goodness, Kara I'm, just keeps breaking barriers, man. She's just. Always after my own heart, brother. I wish that was true. I was more talking about like the 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 metaphorical uh, restaurant that you and I are sitting at right now, <laughs> uh, via via this this uh, this incredible app and technology. But um, I just always connect to um, I connect to the to the Latino in you, mm. and I can see you sitting there, you know, getting podcast on, getting your concentration on. You got your questions, and your girls in the background. Fucking flipping some tortillas, bro. <laughs> With the apron the going, she's got a shot of tequila for herself. Like, yeah, just, dude, let's just, go. Just slinging out tapas. You can Fucking hear me crunching moving, in the background, like a little bit too hard. Just oof, 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 oof. Let's go. Come on, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so this is um, number seven. So it's not like it's, it's, the chapters of each poem are broken down. So this is part seven of the poem from Song of Myself. Has anyone supposed it lucky to be born? I hasten to inform him or her that it's just as lucky to die, and I know it. I pass death with a dying and birth with a new-washed babe, and am not contained between my hat and boots. That's my favorite line. And peruse manifold objects, no two alike and every one good. The earth good and the stars good and their adjuncts all good. I am not an earth nor an adjunct of the earth. I am the mate and a companion of all people, all just as immortal and fathomless as myself. They do not know how immortal, but I know. Every kind for itself and its own. For me, mine, male and female. For me, those that have been boys and those that have loved women. And been boys that love women. For me, the man that is proud and feels how it stings to be slighted. For me, the sweetheart and the old maid. For me, the mothers and the mothers of mothers. For me, the lips that have smiled, eyes that have shed tears. For me, children, the begetters of children. Undrape you. You are not guilty to me, nor stale, nor discarded. I see through the broad, the broadcloth and the gingham, the gingham, I have no idea what that word is, whether or no, and I'm around, tenacious, acquisitive, tireless, and cannot be shaken away. Mm. All right. One, you can tell that this dude was like an Eckerd boy, you know, like he, <laughs> he was sitting out in the sunshine. He was, he was writing on his pad. He you was, seen a picture of Walt Whitman? That boy was the creator of Eckerd College. That man was, 
is sitting out on the bayous of Basket. New Jersey. <laughs> he was indulging. Absolutely. Um, and, number- and more and more. And reading about how he wrote Leaves of Grass is fantastic, man. It's it's wonderful to see him just it's he, he has it's an epic, but it doesn't actually follow any meter or rhyme form. It is one of the first do yourself epics <laughs> and also regarded as one of the best pieces of poetry to exist. <laughs> I love that. So um, do you out there. Do you I want to go to your favorite line? <laughs> My favorite line is not contained between my hat and boots. I am not contained between my hat and boots. What? Why? Why that line? Well, within thinking about who, like, who the fuck am I? Like, who am I really to myself rather than just who I am to other people or who I think other people see me as? Luciano. (laughs) It's. It's something that I think if I don't know myself, how can anyone else know? And it can't ever just be this concept of like the appearance and what you have. Like obviously being a male, for example, is going to have certain differentiations than being a female and just like your life. But it isn't. It isn't defining. Everything that you have, everything that you're born with, everything that is naturally yours is part of who you are, but it isn't a definition. And I don't think there is such a definition. I think maybe for some people, sure. But I think most humans, and in my experience is what I've seen, are consistently changing. changing. And it's just not a form. When you see an older man, I, I picture Walt Whitman in his hat and his rain boots out in the Jersey Plains. And if you just think of this man when you pass him, you know, at the park fishing or whatever he's doing, you'd know nothing. You'd think of him as an old man who is fishing and living his, his life. Little to know that some of the most glorious and, and deeply sensitive poetry that has come out of, of the United States in its 400 years came from someone thinking, came from, from that person sitting there and it's all that's going on within him. And so what is within is not what I see is out. Right. So the outward appearance and the outward presentation, even though outward you are, the outward way you are with your character is also a consistently changing thing. And I think that's something that he's mentioning specifically when he gets to the fathomlessness, the idea that we are all immortal. Right. But like within our own way, within our own consistent changing mortal is my way of seeing um, something that's finite. And immortal is infinite. And I, I like that concept a little bit better. And it's also kind of the way that we were mentioning how we see poetry, the way you read it the next time. Poetry or literature or whatever it is to you. I mean, it could be your favorite book that you go back to it and you find new things. You find something more within yourself. Um, and this whole book is an exploration of self and telling yourself and reminding yourself that you're not defined by exactly what you have and who you are within a moment or by what anyone else tells you or by what it is that you have, whether it's poverty or whether it's uh, some disability, it it is not a definition of you, no matter how much it is a part of you. And yeah, that's, that's probably why it's my favorite line because it's so simple and yet holds a lot for me. Yeah. And I think it, I think it, 
it explores that timeless human exploration of identity and the concept of just like poetry, just like art, just like experience, identity can be subjective, right? Uh, how are you perceived by others? How do you perceive yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, how does your identity evolve as time and experience goes by? And I think we, we often are very concerned with what others think of us and how we are portraying ourselves. And yet the person we have the most conversation with, reflection with, discussion with is ourselves, right? Like we are such, we are fundamentally internal and yet are such a social external species. Mm. And poetry is both something personal that is meant to be shared, just like music. And, it, it and that why that is why and there is no objective perfect or great music there is no objective perfect or great poetry each person can take different things from it um which is both like the beauty of life but also can be um i don't know that frustrating is the word but uh maybe like disorienting right you you sometimes may feel like you don't have like a concrete ground to stand on because everyone is so different and everything is so unique yeah that's the age-old question of what you know this whole idea of finding yourself of being comfortable just within your own shoes and your own skin and i think it's okay to not be i think it's okay that it's important to recognize when you're not and to work your way into it you know what i mean and it feels like a lot of society is always kind of pushing you to be defined, whether you're going to be into sports when you're in high school or middle school, or whether you're going to be more into the STEM, the sciences, the mathematics, um, what kind of social person you are. And you see how people change so dramatically, right? Like who, who do you know is, is kind of the same as they are in high school and those that they are, you feel kind of sad for that. There hasn't been change. The majority, I believe, the change that happens to them is, is essentially what's going to make them who they are. I don't know. I, I, I think this question of identity has always been circling and circling, circling me. And instead of feeling like I have to find it, I could just be okay with not having it with being within many realms at once. Right. And there's ebbs and flows like within a week, within a day, you can feel an ebb and flow of who you are with, with this group, with that group in this moment, and there are certainly anchors that we hold on to, like like this group, like the people uh, involved within this podcast. Um, but there's also ways that we are developing uniquely from any other person listening. And so it's really interesting. But, um, you know, when it comes to anchors, I think about what fires me up. And, and that brings us to sort of our first big question, Luciano. I got to ask you, my friend. What fires you? What, what's got you fired up right now? <laughs> it's um, it's ridiculous to think about it like this because it's it's two things. It, it one is sports. One is I'm really really excited that I set up. I recently built a little soccer team to start playing here in Denver. I think the, the game's actually going to be out in Boulder, but it's a little indoor league, and 
in the last two years since I've been in Colorado, one and a half has been through COVID and it's just been hard to kind of get out there and really get to see and connect with the city. And one of the ways that I think it's fantastic is you join soccer teams and there's just barely been leagues and it's been a mess. Finally, I decided I'm going to go on it by myself and I'm going to figure out how to create my own team and we're going to find a league. And finally, I got nine players. I got nine ballers. I'm going to be playing with my brother who I love to play with. We grew up always playing together, obviously. Um, and we just have a similar love for the sport. And there's a World Cup coming on. So the fact that like there's a World Cup coming and it's also like finally a time for me to do something that fulfills me in a way that the rest of my life can kind of go on. Um, hung out with your good friend Bradley and Shauna recently. And for him, it's jujitsu. For me, it's soccer. But he's not the same person in his everyday life or when he's out having a margarita or when he's uh, at work or when he's out with his friends, if he hadn't done jujitsu that week. And I just, that's how I feel about the sport. Um, it has, it does have a connection to my identity and not feeling like I've been able to play in so long, not feeling like I've had that fun filling feeling in so long. And also that team sport that I'm very much about, you know, I'm very much a, a person who prefers a sport that would be collaborative over individual. I'll play individual sports, but I'd much rather be able to get that last minute assist or, um, you know, team sports in general. That's yeah, that I love really that, man. I love that. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I'm all about team sports. One, nothing beats a good indoor soccer league during the winter. You're in shorts, t-shirt, you're sweating. You get to celebrate with the boys after, talk about it in between. It cuts um, the week up, so you know it feels like you're you're excited to do something after the day. Oh, there's after such the work fast day, you games. Can go sweat, go crush somebody, go <laughs> put some work in, get some oh. golazos in, or lose whatever it is. But no matter what, you're having beers after. Yes, and, and then the and weekend's like, begun. You think about the investment in your health, like you know, a hundred bucks for a league. You know, when we were younger, we might have scoffed at that, and now it's like it seems like nothing. Ten dollars like, per game is. I'm and like, of course I'll pay that facility? much for, for organized sports for a ref. <laughs> oh my God. Like I'll, I'll pay that. And then some, like, I love it uh, so much. It's so addicting. And once you don't have it, COVID was a big, re you know, a big moment to realize that, like, you don't realize the positive benefit it has on your life. Um, I'm in a similar situation up here. Like I moved up to Northern New Hampshire. COVID started within six months. And up here, there already is limited options, but just in the past few months, I've been getting into pickup basketball, pickup men's basketball, pickup indoor volleyball, um, you know, a couple nights a week. And it's just been so good for me to get after it and compete and, and just meet new people and have some fun and Oh man. Yeah, man. It, it is almost so much about that too. I think for, for people like us who grew up playing team sports um, and we just kind of thrive a little bit in that environment with new friends, with a crew, with someone that we, with people that we have just something generally in common with. Like sometimes I think of myself as like, I wish I could just call a homie and just talk about a, a stupid soccer game that happened on a Tuesday for hours. <laughs> totally. And yeah, it's part of where my heart thrives. And uh, I think it's also just like a big, piece of like of fun for me just a big piece of and also I, I take some footy seriously and maybe I take it too seriously but I'm Brazilian it's in the blood and I, I for me it, I naturally love the connection between a sport like soccer and 
every metaphor there is to to being in this world, to having a certain time to do you the best you motherfucking can. You have certain people you can do it with. It's not, you know, you're not by yourself, but you got to put in your own effort. And there's, you know, there's, oh. this, yeah, there's, there's oh, just a I'm million connections. I'm competitive for my own good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I love the chirp game because anytime there's competition, there's chirp game. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll get, I've, I've done that recently. I got out of like a, a men's pickup basketball and I was so fired up. I like immediately called Michael, didn't pick up, called Caswell, just like vented on the phone with Caswell for a little bit about the game, setting the scene. And uh, you got to do it, man. Like it's, it's so communal. Like I love biking. I love skiing. CrossFit's fun, but the communal collaborative team aspect of hockey volleyball soccer rugby basketball is just a frisbee right like i would go play ultimate frisbee on the beach on mondays in the summer and like i just i i i I will play i I will do some form of team sports for the rest of my life Yeah, and I, I hope that continues to be the case, man, because I am feeling it. You know, I'm about to turn 30 in the next month, and I have I was always the younger guy out with, you know, playing with the older guys, like working my ass off. Just if I could, wasn't better than them, then my hustle was. And in the game, in the sport, like footy, that'll take you pretty damn far. Working your ass off, trying real hard. You lose the ball, you go get it. And... There's a point where now I'm a little bit more of the older guy. And now, that you know, there's these 26, 25-year-olds leaving the gym, coming to the footy game, and these boys can fucking hustle. And maybe I have a better touch. Maybe I'm a little bit smarter. Maybe that's enough to get me by. But, you know, sometimes I just feel that tiredness. Sometimes I just feel the aches. Uh, I got hurt in the last game that I played, and I was able to play on through. But then for the next week and a half, I was stumbling. You know what I mean? And... Jesus, I don't like talking about that reality. Got to keep after it, man. And I do think a lot about uh, it's natural for me to connect with the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, some of the best players out in the world are still doing their absolute best at 33 years old. It's no way that I'm saying I'm done. I'm just there's something in the heart that always keeps telling me you got to keep after it or else you're going to start losing it. You know what I mean? You just especially after the after the time after year after year you know what i mean we don't have the five or six day rugby practices a week we had 10 years ago yeah no for sure i mean you talk about sore ankles and achilles and drogs is not in his head right now um (laughs) (laughs) you know what i left off that list though which gives you that little drip of collaboration of teamwork of of working for the same goal which, which which i love and is such a part of of my identity going forward can can you guess what it's gonna be yeah what is it what am what did i leave off that list that we we cannot forget that that is a part of our our group identity well it's the general spirit of rally nah dude it's a fucking jug session It's that same competitiveness that'll come out. Like you're playing against 30. You know what I, mean? I was left in the dark. I was like, man, our, our group's got a lot of things we really care about. <laughs> the opponent I mean, the is 30. Is, 
is in is in animals. It's in in the perfect patch of a footy field. It's in the right mezcal at the right time. Oh, there's it's, a <laughs> there's a lot of different stadiums. Um, a lot of different little details that go into you know the spirit of rally. You left you, me there. You can do you can was... do three person, five person, eight person. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't. I'll tell you this. Uh, this may sound uh, a little pretentious. I don't ever feel like I brought jug sessions to the boys. I thought we just always did it kind of after rugby practice or whenever we had a little club soccer team going on. Uh, and more and more, we were like, I'm pretty sure everyone can do this. You know what I mean, Doc. Next thing you know, he's got a nice touch. It's just the little magical way that in a jug sesh, everyone can participate. Just fucking throw a leg out there. See what happens. But don't give up. And don't be an asshole. And don't yeah. try to do too many gnomes, Frank. I, I, I don't really know how it emerged in its full essence. I know um, my some of my earliest jug memories are with Nigel and Hayden Macbeth out on Kappa Field as the sun setting. Um but yeah, I mean, it's really evolved into something. And, you know, we're also playing against the lack of style. Um, obviously, jug sessions can't just be like the simplest of touches. I mean, there has to be some flair. It's a, it's a complex sport. And, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for anyone just trying to get into it now because, uh, you know, that rally train's leaving the station. <laughs> yeah man and i i love that it's now a fact like the only way the only way we leave a field is after 30 passes in the air and there's some boys out there trying to make it not happen trying to put too many legs out there trying to get too many garden gnomes some pencils and not trying to get that 30 and you know me we've had several deep dark discussions where our friendship was on the line yeah because i was like listen man the game is to get the numbers and then the skill and the activities and the cool tricks will come. And you're like, nah, dog. Nah, dog. <laughs> I want the skills and the tricks throughout the entire time. <laughs> right. And, and the hope is that Frank will one day find that balance. But, you know, it's, a, it's an evolution. It's a process like anything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I also learned to chill out and be like, hey, just because this is the way you play in Brazil doesn't mean that this is the way that we're going to play now. Okay? <laughs> hey, as long as we're out there kicking around it, it's all deadly, baby. We're, we're having it's a beautiful thing. Do you see how you, you ever see how stoked my face gets when we switch from a jug sesh to like a possible two on two or a three on three? Oh my god, I mean, you'll 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 pull people in off the street to please, play, please, please, like, lady, hey, we please. need you to play uh, all time offense or go uh, to hold the 20 minutes down, please. They're like, uh, I'm in my business clothes. You're like, no, 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 real quick, real quick. Yo, 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 take your shoes off. You'll be solid. You'll be solid. This is nice grass. This is nice grass. Plus, we got Leslie as the right back. You're never going to see the ball anyway. You'll be it's, good. Right. it's good. It's good. It's <laughs> good. Um, all right. I, now you got me fired up to jug sesh. Um, me too. I'm seeing outside, and I'm like, can we jug and talk? <laughs> can we? Well, while I go ponder that question, we are going to take a short break and hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of Catch Up and Rally is brought to you by... Boa tarde, my people from America. We have here for you today some cafés do Brasil. Very specific cafés from the deep forests 
of the Amazon rainforest, what we require of you is the interest and the intellect to actually be interested in some delicious cafecito. What we have is nothing other than homegrown in the little casita families, Cafés de Brazil. Look out for us. We're everywhere, everywhere, okay? And you can get to us at any time. Just Google Cafés de Brazil. That is C-A-E-F-E-S-B-R-A-Zil. You already know. Reach out to us. Get us going, Poppy. And you're going to hear another word from my co-sponsor, co-CEO. Let them know, brother. Dile, porque El Café de Brazil is the best. Mm, yes. Café Brazil is the best. Whole bean only. <laughs> and we only come to you with the finest. From the jungle. For your mouth. Put the beans into a grinder. Soak in water. And then drink. And you will experience a feeling like you've never had before. My goodness. Would you have the heart to tell the people, tell the people a little bit about that feeling? Diles, diles, diles. What is the emotion? Is it poetry? Is it the sensation that you will conquer your day? Que es? Que es? Diles, Jose, Jose Cuervo, por favor, diles. We have brought in a beautiful young woman to tell you about the feeling because women feel more than men. And she is here to tell you now about the feeling you get from a cafecito. Gabriela, will you please tell them? Hola, para mi gente. Hoy me gustaría contarles how good the cafés do Brazil is. When I taste it, I feel my soul. I feel my clothes melt. I feel the sunshine. I feel like the waterfall is a metaphor for my life. And it is going to beautiful places, deep and deeper into the rivers. And my career and my personality and my life will shine like the sunshine shines on my cafes do Brazil. If you want to feel the waterfall too, order Cafe Brazil right now. Hasta luego. Welcome back. Uh, we are still here, still going, still strong. Uh, Luciano. Dímelo. Dímelo. What's up, Poppy? If we were if we were getting top us, we were, we're on to number two. They're bringing plates out. This is the second trip. I got to ask you our next big question. What are you working on right now? So working on an awesome book called Dune. <laughs> oh, I'm incredible. Really, really, really loving Dune. Uh, I'm doing everything I can not to watch the movie because it seems exciting. I like a lot of the actors. It just seems like it did well. But I did not know I was this into sci-fi. So I'm really working on continue, getting continuing to get through it. It's like a thousand page book. Um, that's one work work wise. Uh, I'm wait, wait, wait. Out... Amazing. That book, all time favorite for me. Hell yeah. Good to hear. Um, may, I, maybe a top 10 book all time. Top 20. I don't know. Definitely top 
five sci-fi ever for me. Um, I agree. Wait until you finish the book for the movie, but I'm so stoked for you. That book is, is incredible. Yeah, the author does so many things. I love the little intros um, that is just like written. You don't know how how further on in the galaxy and this general feeling that uh, fate is happening, you know? I mean, it's got everything. It's got character development. It's got religion. It's got geopolitics. It's got um, mm. uh, backstabbing. Wait, where there geopolitics, by the way? You're exactly right, right? Like we're, They're in this planet that's got almost no water. And so water is the way that you show everything, strength, uh, socioeconomic status, everything. Uh, and there's obviously those just like us, right, who have like pools and pools and pools of it. <laughs> and it's just for one or two people. And then you have like hundreds of thousands of millions of people with these still suits, right? The suits that grasp all of the liquids that you, that your body and skin exasperate and re regenerizes it and reuses it and it becomes drinkable water and it's yeah <laughs> yeah fucking cool book speaking of water uh the book i'm reading right now is the perfect storm by sebastian younger um hmm. so we're, we're bo- both in that realm in some way uh i'm pretty early on in it but um it's good so far uh, obviously an epic story um but Does yeah. it, are they using the metaphor of that I'm sure that I feel like he'll probably be someone, some sailor will be caught up in an epic storm. But it is there also kind of that, like the upheaval and the storm happening within the character type shit? Um, I would say it's less of that because it's nonfiction. Um, so it is a true story. Uh, so the, the, the author tries to do a real good job of both capturing the essence of these characters and these fishermen, um, but do justice and truth to the story rather than like uh turn it into like an allegory for like the perfect storm of our like own internal upheaval uh-huh um but you, hell yeah what i love a good book baby what else are you working on actually so i um have a contract a consulting contract with the pan american health organization latin american sector for the who it's pretty sweet uh, but it's ending. And what I'm excited about is that in a way it's forced me out. Like I have a contract that can continue going for next year, but it's kind of like, it's half the work. There was, there was a lot that's basically kind of pushing me to get away from the organization I've been working with for a long time and open up to something new. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited about the prospect of this one organization called the IOM. Uh, it's the USA for IOM. IOM is the international organization of migrants it's um, the migrant sector for the United Nations. It's got, they have about, they manage about 1.5 billion to maybe $0.5 billion uh, per year with their programs. And they do amazing, amazing, amazing work uh, all around the world with migration, obviously. But they have a small sector that's called USA for IOM. That's basically like a little charity that they created. So it's a 501c nonprofit. And with that, they can get funds from private foundations or individuals because the United Nations like can't get money from Coca-Cola or tobacco or stuff like that. And it's not that the, that this foundation is made for that, but they can get, they can get money from like Citibank or uh, from foundations, Bill Melinda Gates foundation from the Warren Buffett foundation. And they make, they go out to reach people specifically. And one of the jobs that I'm really interested in that I'm not sure is mine yet, but I'm looking at to see how it goes is 
to be going after specific individuals, creating a network where we are bringing enormous awareness into the issues that we most focus on, which is the Venezuela crisis, as well as the Rohingya crisis, uh, and try to basically bring the human context of what's happening into where this where new funders are. And if we can make that connection and have that conversation and build a relationship with someone, then you have someone who is consistently funding, is openly funding. And what I mean by openly funding is that they aren't giving you specific criteria. They'll give you $500,000 or $100,000 to work within a specific region. And then from there, IOM can take care and do the specific projects that that they've been interested in. Right. But like what I love about it is that I think I've always been trying to connect to people and use that. Like that's my natural sense of, I, th I think of my human relationships. And I don't think I've, I've really capitalized on that in work. Um, and I, I do love the international development work that I've done uh, in offices or even in implementing or volunteering work or voluntary work, or even if it's worked directly into the countries, amazing. But I love this idea of using the natural character that I have to bring the finances and resources for the projects that most matter to us. And for me, one of those is 110% forced migration. Yeah. That, that's awesome, man. That's amazing. I think, uh, I think that's powerful work. I think when we think about our world and our history, one of the first ideas that comes to mind in terms of human history and progress is our progress on human rights and the examples of like genocide and uh, abuse of human rights. And often that and, you know, migration and uh, fleeing uh, violence or persecution and becoming refugees go hand in hand. You, and so, you know, you talk about the Rohingya, you talk about the Uyghur, um, these ways in which you have to put attention and eyeballs on these situations or they evolve into global tragedies, right? And, and it, takes, it takes the world to, to be doing that, to pay attention, to, to yeah. take action. And there's such a generalized understanding of what migration is and it's extremely politicized as well especially you know in the united states and we, we see uh, obviously in european countries as well and, and, and elsewhere you could see it in colombia with venezuelan uh migrants coming over but um it shouldn't be politicized and a lot of the work that i think is done within um development when the migration realm is specifically to depoliticize it because i think even in the united states uh democrats and republicans can agree on most factors of what is dehumanizing about the way that the migration process is in the United States, the legal or illegal migration, whether it's people coming across the border without documents or whether it's someone who's coming across the border because inter with international law, they are being persecuted and are legally allowed to be in the country. And the process for it is a little bit more like a criminal case would from my understanding of what I've, from what I've read so far, in comparison to what it should be a legal process, right? The question is just to make sure that your court and your proceeding is done appropriately with your situation, not that you have been charged as a criminal. Uh, yeah, and what's tricky is, you know, any of these legal processes take 
um, people to process the paperwork, the applications, the information. Um, and in many instances, they're way behind, right? Like I'm actually, I'm doing a unit right now on immigration and we're talking about um, the process of immigrating to the United States, the process of seeking asylum, of becoming a refugee, of, of how you can get visas. And when you consider those who have applied for green cards and residency status, in many cases, they are decades behind on the paperwork and processing. And it's, uh, I mean, that's the world we live in, right? Like, yeah, we it, never lose sight of the fact that we are so very lucky to have been born and live in the United States because it's, uh, it is an incredible place. Um, yeah. And you know, my girlfriend and I, we talked about this yesterday in a way uh, where sometimes I can see within the veil or I have my eyes that perceive like the Latin American perspective. And so I seek my American friends and sometimes I'll say like, oh, that's some super white shit to do. And I think most times you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's just like a very American thing to do. And I am myself am considered a white Latin American. You know what I mean? So it's not like a distinction that uh, is based off race. It's based off like culture. And sometimes I do that and I feel myself distancing myself from the American culture itself and from part of who I am. And, you know, my girlfriend for that would be like, well, like, you're not you are Latino, but you're also American. It's like, actually, I, I like to be in all realms. Like, I I feel like I can see that, but I can also see the opposite side of why kind of that would be hurtful. And I appreciate the fact that, like, it doesn't have to be I don't have to just be this Latin guy. I can also see the perspective from the Latin American side, but also kind of understand how it works in a from an American side. I feel like I'll always criticize the United States while I'm inside of it. But as soon as I'm out, as soon as I'm in Europe, as soon as I'm in Latin America, someone's always like, oh, well, pinches gringos, fucking Americans, so ignorant, they do this and that. And you'll see me defend it to the damn teeth because I love being the, that I was raised in this country. I love being an American. I love this country so damn much that I'll talk so much about being Brazilian, about living in Brazil, about living in Mexico, be, being in Latin America. And one to two weeks in, I naturally already am like, as much as I am like these people, I'm also not. And it more and more has felt like my heart is here. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to have this part of me. And I wouldn't just call myself an American. I'd call myself, I don't know, many things at one, right? Many, a Latin American. I think that's the best way to encompass it. But yeah, I, I like this idea of being of having that duplicity and, and, and it's, to me, it's not a, a, a form of two face to me. It's just more seeing that there's multifacetedness to being an American. Uh, and sometimes you can see specific things and sometimes you don't, you know what I mean? And I appreciate that. I can talk to my friends about it, that I, no one ever feels like I'm trying to demean or uh, undermine because it's connections we have as friends. It's things that we see that are usually general, but not very real or not very true. Just kind of funny, you know? <laughs> no, totally. And I think, I think that is the way that you see yourself as, as a duplicity, as Latin American, as a pride in both realms. I think that exists throughout the United States, right? Like we are truly a melting pot. People come from all different backgrounds and cultures in the same way that Europe or South America or Central America have multiple countries, we have multiple states and each state is different and has unique culture. 
Um, Absolutely. And but, I love that about the States, man. Right? You have to love that. But And it's impossible, you know, when someone tells me, I heard this in Germany, maybe two or three different times, someone hadn't been in the United States yet, had the guts to say, Americans are ignorant. You're talking about 330 million people. How do you how do you have the balls to say that? I mean, just you never even been. You're gonna tell me someone from New York, someone from Texas, someone from Cincinnati, someone from LA that everybody's ignorant. It's just that's it's the way it is, and obviously it's the way it goes with generalizations. But I just think that's trash when you're I mean, talking about a country that's so 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 diverse. Maybe so big, diverse. so diverse. People want blanket statements, and uh, you know, to end on sort of a positive note, the thing I always tell my kids because that sort of that frustration, that lack of faith can come up for a lot of people, particularly teenagers, um, is the, the beautiful thing about this country is that we have our flaws. Our history can be dark and horrible and difficult. Absolutamente. For we are a country that always tries to get better. The fun, one of the fundamental identities of us is trying to get better. And uh, that is... Something that our country is unique in, right? Not every country is always trying to be better. And, and if you look at the, the large scope of our history, yes, there are many flaws, but we set forth these goals at the very beginning that for many years we did not reach, but we have been consistently trying to reach them as a whole as an American identity for a long time. And I think that that's a beautiful thing to not be ignored. Yeah. And, and to piggyback off that is, is that what you're talking about, I think is hope. And this concept specifically as a migrant, as someone who works in migration, that the American dream is dead is the biggest joke. It's the biggest false presentation of media bullshit in, in an attempt to act like the United States and the fact that we have been, which which I understand, the fact that capitalism has just destroyed all values and morality and that you can come to the United States, but what you're going to do is work your work for work instead of live. And you may be able to provide for your family in Senegal or Guatemala or Paraguay or Mexico, whatever. But at the end of the day, you're going to hate your life and you're just going to be working for the corporate machine. And I hear this whole capitalism undervaluing morals and societal values but i know from all various sorts of experiences my personal experiences experiences of people that i work with that being in this country has provided them a life that they could never ever ever imagine and there's anecdotal evidence i can talk about and also if you're specifically talking about economic socioeconomic development of migrants who come to this country and that could be because they're invited by the nih to come work here and they have some of the best research capacities uh, in the world, or it's because you are forced to come here due to the violence in Guatemala or corruption happening in El Salvador and enough where you only have certain options and you come to the United States and you can see, you can build those options. I have friends here who may be undocumented and they're pulling in over $150,000 a year, working their ass off, sending the majority of that to have their cousins, their, not just their sons and daughters, but I'm talking about the expanded family, be able to go to school, be able to go to college, be able to pay for clothing, being able to pay for whatever it is, even if it's just Christmas presents. And yeah, man, um, it, 
as you could tell, it, it gets my heart thriving. Yeah. Damn. There's levels, baby. There's levels to this man. If you thought that Luciano was just Mezcal and J Balvin. Who? J Balvin, Bobby. <laughs> this man is complex. He is not simple. I love it. We're getting deep right now. It's, it's been a deep one. That, that That's a good spot to transition to our last sort of big question, which is, Luciano, what have you been reflecting on? I've been reflecting on failure, on my mistakes, and wondering if they're going to define me or if the way that I use them to better myself is what's going to define me. And obviously I'm doing everything I can to go for the latter. Yeah. Fuck man. That's that raw real talk. This, <laughs> this yeah. Is a, you know, the mezcal brings it out, Bobby. I mean, I'm three deep in the souls that the souls here, souls here to speak. I mean, this is a topic that has come up before this idea of like, how do we handle setbacks? How do we handle, uh, adjustments in life that are either expected or unexpected necessary or um or something that we did not realize was necessary or was going to happen and it's it's difficult like i don't know that it ever gets easy we are not going to suddenly turn into like adults that can handle this perfectly every time it gives you a realization that your parents handled this in the same way, just one day at a time, parents talk and it adults out, do your best. Are always stressed because exactly what you're talking about, brother. I've realized more and more it does not get better. It does not get easier. It gets better when you put yourself in a position where you are always learning, where you are making a bunch of mistakes, and then you have experience. So, you know, your third or fourth time, maybe that's a lot, but maybe your third time buying a house or going through some legal trouble you know exactly how, how to respond. You know what the situation is. But for me, sometimes I'm nervous I'm going to pay taxes wrong. You know what I mean? I still feel like I'm, I'm going a lot through the learning phases to know exactly what kind of person I am and what I can handle and the challenges that I can handle. What, uh, what have you made progress on recently in reference to failure and dealing with setback that that you feel like has has been positive in what ways have you progressed i think one thing i can honestly say and deep or not i don't know is is being a little bit better at being by myself and being okay with being by myself um i i may not you know i, I live in a house with my brother and a friend and we all get along pretty damn well so I'm not by myself, obviously, that much. But um, with the space that I think with that my girlfriend and I take from each other, when I am here, I do feel a little bit alone. And I, I kind of like it. Maybe we cook a little dinner together or whatever. But I come up with a lot of what I have to do with my own time. And no one's asking me. No one's telling me. It, it just feels like I have to fill. I have to become the person, the man that I want to become, and only within my actions. And so every day, I kind of try and take a little bit more of that responsibility. And I've been feeling more comfortable in being by myself and doing the little things I want. For example, I look forward to sometimes getting home to a quiet house and being able to read and cook a little bit, watch my little Netflix show and chill. And the next morning, get to work and have a bit of an easier day. 
I don't like drinking Monday through Thursday, basically. Well, Thursday starts. <laughs> but yeah, man, I've been working on being better at being with myself. And I, I think that is is key. It's tough. It's tough when you're extroverted because you get a sense that like life only happens with other people. And in reality, so much has to happen alone. Um, and it, it can be tough when alone time feels like wasted time or uh, is, is just uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I think of um, Pulp Fiction. It's, it's kind of like when you're able to sit in silence, in comfortable silence with a friend you you've been able to sit in your own comfortable silence is it's just essential no no need to have that bullshit talking to fill the air and yeah i, I i'm working on that i mean I, I i can't tell you how stoked i am about the boys coming to denver and i felt like a lot of my extroverted person came out to try and bring you boys here to try and enthrall the the love of of, of the idea of coming um and, and as much as I play on that, I, I think that I am a man based off of who my friendships and my connections are with my family, with those I love. Um, but more and more, I try on I try to love myself first. You know what I mean? Before feeling like I'm asking someone to love me. Right. I love it, man. We we're about to take another break, but this has to be addressed. Uh, you advocated for yourself. MLK. Is this number nine or number 10? I, I don't even know anymore. It's, it's been a long time coming. We're going to Denver. We're going to the mountains out west. It's Luciano's 30th birthday. C-C-C-C-C. <laughs> if you haven't gotten on the rally train yet, what are you doing? Got off time, got off work, baby. There's going to be scoop ups. I see you and the boys. You brought two New Hampshire boys coming in. Me, Biz, down. and Drogs are on the same flights out. We on the same <laughs> flights back. We ready to bully up. It's gonna be, it's gonna be big. We coming in Thursday. We leaving Monday. We got. I'm gonna be living on Mountain Time. I'm talking hot springs. I'm talking skiing, dude. I told you I talked to the owner of the house that Airbnb that was half the price of all the other ones because uh, he's in the house. He's in the crib, and I'm like, my boy Billy seems nice as hell, man. He's Come down on. to have the boys come. He's down to have us romp and stuff. He loves it. He's going to love the music. Respect goes He's going to love way. the outfits. Hot tub. Poppy, hot tub? Are you kidding me? Hot tub in the fucking center of downtown Denver. We are going I, to kill it. I cannot wait to go to the Mezcaleria oh, and, and have a b -b 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 baller meal. I think we might just have to put the cards down and not look. And just not look and just fucking send it. Just be like, hey... We're, we're gonna need we're gonna need to bully <laughs> we're gonna bully hard and i'm oh, really Jesus. hoping one of my best friends that i'm definitely trying to bring into the crew to hang out with us one of my best friends alan he's a server there um he's a student brilliant human being one of my best friends um he's i i hope that either a he can't make it off unfortunately because it's a saturday and he's got to make money and he's our server and hey baby get your boo boo get your get your paper boo boo but if he's not, I love the guy for it to sit down with us, and we're gonna get it going at the Mescaleria, Papi. It's uh, uh, the vibes is gonna be right, the candles are gonna be right. 
you know, when I got there, it was the third biggest mezcaleria in the United States with over 150 bottles of mezcal. There's over 370 bottles of mezcal, Bobby. We are going to be checking them off the list. Let's go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I mean, MLK started as a New Hampshire visit, and I don't know that we realized what we had bubbling in the stove on the pot in the fire when it started right like it was just we love each other we got to get together we need boys time let's use this weekend i mean it's something so special and it's different every year and the energy from it that good energy is 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 kind of unlike anything else in some strange ways when i think of mlk i don't know why but i don't think about the recent ones the recent ones have all just been just as fun but i always go back to the relics Right. Like I go back to us being in New Hampshire and I don't know who, probably you or Nigel's crazy fucking self decided that we needed to jump in the first frozen ocean I'd ever seen. Let me repeat it for the people out there in the back. Frozen ocean. So I mean, goddamn unnecessary. Your Brazilian man's never seen such a thing. I didn't even think that was allowed. I mean, but, Nigel grew up in Colorado. I don't know how he's getting credit for frozen oceans over here, but like, <laughs> no, because, fucking I'm you right know here, what Luciano. This is he's getting credit because. I got in and I dipped and got out. Nigel was doing leisurely swimming. That man has been in Alpine Lakes his entire life and was just backstroking that shit. <laughs> this is ridiculous. That I fine. You know what? You Nigel, probably threw a few snowballs. You probably got three dips in and bounced. Nah, player. Nigel was snorkeling. <laughs> I mean, the original pond hockey games were all huddled in my mom's basement. Oh, She's goodness. making us chili. She's knitting you boys hats. Okay, the chili, your mom's chili, from, is exactly the relics I'm talking about. That is That was one of the best chilies I ever had, and I was also just, like, unexpecting it. And also not being aware. You know, I grew up in D.C. I know what the fuck the cold is, but... Not being aware of like New Hampshire cold and what a soup and a chili will do to your body and soul at the right time, Poppy. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, this is right. We're, we're gonna take a break on that note. So when you come back for our final portion, you, you can have a bowl of super chili in your hands, ready to go. Ah, I got a text from my brother three minutes ago that says, "Hey, Poppy, we have a little bit of soup for you." <laughs> hey, that's perfect. All right, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Dile, 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 dile. This episode of Catch Up and Rally is brought to you by. Hello, and welcome to the only place you need to be right now. And that place is with a salt lamp. We are here from the crust of the earth where salt exists to sell you something that will change your life. Salt lamps. You turn them on. They do good things. And we have someone here to tell you just what those good things are. Hello, everybody. I'm Herbert, geologist, professional jokester as well. <laughs> And I want to let everybody know that the way the salt works, the way the mineral works in salt is that it brings your soul what you've been needing, baby. You ever seen the color purple? That's what a salt rock is. It's the feeling of having purple rain 
come down on you at the end of the day. And all I'm saying is that what you need to do is keep following your soul to that purple rock and you will get there. But please make sure that you read all of our books on the toxicology of salt rocks. Salt lamps. Now, benefits like that are not free. They're not even cheap. Our salt lamps start at $199.99, and that's for our smallest salt lamp. At a minimum, we suggest our second largest salt lamp for a moderate price of $499.99. But these also come with some small risk. Please tell them a little bit about the toxicology and the risk they inherit. With hey, him. folks, it's Herbert again. We just want to say that it can fucking kill you. <laughs> Jokes are coming out again, folks. It's actually just possibly hurting your children and anything that's being born or being developed, such as brains and organs and such. Uh, that's to do with the mamacetin within the salt lamps, which I like to call salt rocks because it's a rock and there's a lamp in the rock. $347 for our medium-sized lamp is a steal. You're going to get away with basically bringing the soul to the home and the love back into your life. And all you're going to do is be a little bit hurt if you're having a baby. Reasonable. Cancer effects have not been proven. The happenstance of cancer in those who use our product thus far has been random and we think that even with some moderate to lightly severe risk it's worth it because the soul is priceless como mi amigo her birth dice absolutamente we look forward to having your business and giving you our salt. Rocksalts.com. Come see us. Come see us. Okay, we are back and we have one final uh, objective. And that, sir, is a lightning round. Oh, goodness. Yes, I'm talking fast questions followed by fast answers dímelo okay you are going to be hearing a series of questions i don't you know i finish when i when it when the storm passes it's not there isn't a set number there isn't a set set question list that they, they they come hot and heavy i hope you're ready for it this reminds me of the way i'm drinking right now i crushed my mezcal and i just started drinking my beer out of my shot and it's just fast and ready ready to go beer's done let's go next one Bumano. let's go one two we never we never said i started this pod with a little bozal a little mezcal bozal mezcal we both uh, were sipping on a little mezcalito and that's a, little what tequi- got a little tequila milagro shout out uh shout and out. some some orange juice shaken in a in a in a low ball let's go um, and that's got me ready to rain uh, Central American thunder down on you. Uh, Luciano, are you ready for this lightning round? Let's go, baby. We're talking middle of Nicaragua. We're talking about on the volcanoes. That's, that's got an island on the island. Let's go, baby. Let's go. My, the, the, the Mayans never saw thunderstorms this bad. Oh, my 
goodness, Blair. <laughs> First question. Whoa, I got questions. I'm a little worried about that. I don't know if my, my people have been ready. We've been practicing for 5,000 years. Let's go. Finish this sentence. If the rally bell rings. You show the fuck up. I love it. A book that all the boys should read. <laughs> Hundred Years of Solitude. By Gael Garcia Bernal? Gabriel Garcia Marquez, yeah. That's exactly it. Wait, what? <laughs> what did I that say? Was it. I'm, that's I'm, what you said. No, I'm thinking of the Mexican actor. <laughs> oh, Gael. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, yeah. Yeah, okay. Gael's a stud, though. Nice, nice little connection. Thank you. That's my bad. I should have known that. I'm just too fired up. Um, <laughs> best appetizer at a restaurant. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to go with um, the Spanish tapas octopus, like some fresh octopus with a little bit of like maybe a pickle or a little something else there. But yes, Ooh, tapas. Shit, octopus, you tapas. went fancy with me. Let's build on that. I have Did tortilla chips. chips and salsa, Poppy? <laughs> hold on, hold on. I have tortilla chips. I can only choose one dip to put them in. What am I, what am I getting? Ooh. There is a guac that is made with chipotle peppers in it out there being done by someone magical. And that's what it is. Just a classic chipotle salsa? It's a guac, but with chipotle in it. I mean, a it's just guac it's, with chipotle. Yeah, it's on another level. And okay. honestly, if you want to throw some queso in there, let's go. Best soccer player ever. Ronaldinho, I have to go. I have to go with Ronaldinho because of his way of bringing soul into the sport. Um, Adam Bailey. Messi is the best player to have ever existed in terms of just his quality. But you're talking about best player in my heart, Ronaldinho. Okay. There is – this is going to be a hard fucking question, Luce. It's a four-team four tournament, four countries. Brazil, USA, Mexico, and Portugal. Brazil is playing Portugal, and USA is <laughs> playing Mexico. Brazil, 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 Brazil. You are rooting for Brazil. I'm, I'm going to tell you something you might not know about me, Poppy. Brazil is the only soccer team that I'm die hard for. I'm a Barcelona fan, but if they lose, everything's all right. All I'm right. a fan of PSG. Because they've got some of my favorite players. But if they lose, it's all right. Manchester City, whatever. All right. But Brazil's the one that I follow to the heart. And if we win 1-0, we win 5-0. I do not care your boys out in the streets. So Brazil beats Portugal. All right. USA, Mexico. Who are you rooting for? Uh, foot, footy? You, yeah. uh, footy, Mexico for sure, bro. United States got gold and silver medals in every fucking sport on the planet. They can chill off on some of our sports, all right? You all guys, right. Have, we've had footy for here for like 50 years, and we don't really like it, so like... All right, World Cup Final 2022, Brazil, Mexico. Who are you Brazil. rooting for? Brazil. <laughs> it's not a question, Blair. It's Brazil. It's just There's a certain part of my soul that connects to Brazil, and a huge part of that is with footy. So, like, if you were to say a competition with food, I would probably throw in – I would probably take Mexico as a bet every single time. But when it comes to footy, it's going to be Brazil every single time. Favorite month? July. Atta baby. 
July's the fucking best. I do fucking love July. It's funny because I love my own birthday month, January, if you're in Latin America, because then it's the opposite. The reason I love July is because it's midsummer, but January is midsummer for Latin America. Fair enough. U.S. state you see yourself settling in? New York. Whoa! Curveball. Yeah. Um, you Not Albany or any shit like that. I have horrible news. Okay. Doctors have, re- doctors have recently discovered that you are allergic to tequila and mezcal. Oh, my God. What are you drinking instead? Poison. I am drinking a seven-year rum agave uh rum not rum agave rum <laughs> no matter what i'm like you sure there's no agave i can drink i believe you mean a rum and coke shout out steve frano oh uh, rummy c stevie rummy um, c yeah no i will i, I would definitely love a when it comes you're talking about a drink drink like a, a put together drink a rummy c i love a classic rummy c and it's actually cuba libre right liberation of cuba with bacardi my shit is also having a lime in there. Stevie dabbles in the lime every now and then, but he's also been outrageous and gone some of that fake Coca-Cola. Can't do that. Real Coca-Cola with the yellow in it, with the limon in it. Yeah, too. Let's go. Um, favorite party song or pump-up song right now? Uh, I'm going to have to go with my boy Maluma. And the song is Hawaii. I really like Hawaii. I really like his song Hawaii. It's not the one I'm... Okay, you know what? Bad Bunny, 100%. I can't I believe you didn't love, pick a J Balvin song. I love Bad Bunny. I mean, I, but J Balvin be kind of chilling. J Balvin be kind of slowing up. You All know right. what I mean? When, when, when I was raving J Balvin two or three years ago, he was coming up with three songs a day and hey he's still the man the chico from colombia but um right now bad bunny's doing some super nasty things and it's so fire bad, bad bunny. bunny oh man check it out folks um oh, and fuck. fucking dual lipa too just because i got the extra seconds i'm throwing dual lipa in there too throw it in there i love her shit i'm in the i'm in a fucking bar i was in a one of my my boys gay bar, gay's bar last night we were having a ball Eating this delicious pizza, watching this volleyball game. Dua Lipa came on. Shit got down at the at the place, dog. Shit got down. I love Dua Lipa. I bought that record for Kara for her birthday. Well, it's a great present. It really is, honestly. Tbh. Mm. Um. Okay. Uh. And what is a movie or TV show you would recommend? Do you know where I'm going to go with this? I have a feeling you know. I have a feeling you got it. Without going too deep, don't think about it too much. It's recent. It's footy. You already know. Mm, shit. Recent footy. Uh, Ted Lasso. Yes. I think every fucking person should see Ted Lasso. It's so good. It's, it's just heartwarming. Good for the it's, goddamn soul. It's a good hang. It's a good hang. Yeah. That's how I described Cowboy Bebop to a friend. I was like, it's a good hang. Oh, interesting. I like that you like Cowboy Bebop. Uh, I, I'm finding it fun. I don't think it's for everybody, but I'm finding it fun. And Well, I love the anime, so I'm into it. 
Oh, okay. I haven't seen the anime one. I was told to see the anime one first. It's worth watching. I mean, don't see it first. Who gives a shit? Just watch okay. it. Um, mantra that you come back to. The... Hmm. I'm thinking about it now, and I just feel like it's on the spot. It's always when you get nervous and you fuck it up. It's... um. Those who seek happiness grow it under their feet against those who see it in the distance. Say it one more time. Those who seek happiness must grow it under their feet against those who see it in the distance. Oh, I like that. All right. Last question, because we're always talking about crossing over. We're always talking about mingling friend groups, and I think... You have come and visited New Hampshire a lot and made an impression. Um, when I say New Hampshire boys, tell me a, a story or a person that comes to mind. Dragos. Uh, I connect with Dragos for several different moments. I connect with him in this essence of like him coming, him being a migrant to New Hampshire and like getting, like going from loving his footy culture to ice skating to playing pond hockey, playing hockey and how he's kind of gone along with that. And maybe also a little bit to do with some stature. I think that we agree that New Hampshire boys were just fucking built different. (laughs) (laughs) And um, there's just been several, several moments that I connect of him and I just laughing, whether when he came down to Florida and we stayed at Stevie's um, or multiple times that I've come up and seen him up there. Uh, I also think, again, with uh, naming footy for the fifth to tenth time this time, is um, is that we really connect on, like, a love for the sport. And when we play, you can tell our whole heart is into it and that we've been doing it for a while, you know? It means a lot. Oh, I love that. Hell, yeah. Florida MLK, that was a great one. That um, was, yeah. Always. All right, baby. A few. That's, a, that's a good one. Drogs getting the shout out NH boys um, the, the lightning storm has ended The lightning round has dissipated um, And we have concluded This episode of Catch Up and Rally How did it go Luce? Demon oh papi I, I gotta tell you I love the free flow of it I'm almost now I'm understanding Something that I never thought of before is Why podcasts that I listen to will go on For two or three hours It's because the conversation can just flow Like You don't know what parts are specifically fun or good to listen to as an audience you're just kind of going and i i really enjoyed seeing kind of where it went kind of um holding down the storm as you said yeah i mean there, there has to be a naturalness to it and uh I'm, we got that we all got that um this was awesome man i love you thank you so much i'm so fucking fired up for mlk um if you haven't Get on that train. Get your tickets. Get ready. Drogs is in. Biz is in. Um, oh, love you. You know them Eckerd boys are going to rally. Brad's uh, going to join us, too. Let's go. Hell yeah, Hermano. Well, I love you. I appreciate you making time for this. Great conversation. Let's continue it. And I can't goddamn wait to see you in 2022, puppy. Oh, God. I'm fired up. It's not even going to be long. It's like two weeks. Yeah, and y'all better be ready because we we talk a lot about Mezcal, but I'll be going to Mexico for 12 days or so, 
and I'm gonna illegally pack as much mezcal as fucking possible. I may not bring clothes, <laughs> as you should. Um, <laughs> hey, this was the tenth episode of Catch Up and Rally. You knew we had to do a special one. We're doing it. Host MLK 2022, Luciano Arroyo. Yeah, I too. love you, buddy. Thank love you, you so much. This was a pleasure. Besos. Te quiero. I love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Catch Up and Rally. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Episode 10, baby, is special. It is. It is. Numero 10. It is. I mean, um, it's the center midfielder of the team. But, um, yeah, I felt like a lot of the poetry was more like something that you and I would have a conversation about rather than something that the world is interested in. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck, dude. They need to recognize that this group of boys has depth. And if they don't, they can go fuck themselves. Mm, I think the second layer, the second round got deep. I, I like that a lot. Well, dude, you and I are always deep. Yeah, we do go deep. True. I mean, True. I mean I, there's there's depth, you know. We're talking six, seven, eight inches. Mm. Bro, oof. Well, now that we're off, or are we recording? We are Girth recording. Girth two. This is about to get triple XL. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reaching new depths. Yeah, too. Yeah, too. Sob. Yeah, too. Sob. Oh, yeah, too. Sob. Uh, Thank <laughs> you.